Hello and welcome to this Millennial Fever podcast. Today, I'm Morgan Vincent and I'm joined by... Zerona. Great. We are going to be uh, looking on this Millennial Fever podcast at post-millennialism, don't try and say that too fast, and also the Seventh-day Adventist position on the millennial. To begin with, we're going to discuss post-millennialism and we're going to shorten that by saying PM. So whenever you hear... Ezra Rona and I refer to PM in the podcast. We're talking about post-millennialism because it's a bit of a tongue twister. Ezra Rona, I'm going to throw it to you first. What is PM? What is post-millennialism? Well, according to some Christians, um, post-millennialism is Christ's second advent um, as seen in the um, occurring after the 1,000 years. Okay. Hmm. And also many believe that the church ushers in the millennium through the triumph of the gospel, which means during that time, people are going to evangelize the, those who didn't accept Christ to bring it back to Christ so they can be saved. So, which is the preaching of the gospel will be so successful that the world will be converted. Hmm. We go again. So the million, millennium need not to be a literal 1,000 years, mm-hmm. but represent some extended period of time. So the gradual uh, coming of the kingdom makes it difficult to calculate when the millennium occurs. Okay. So that's interesting because we're going to come in a moment to look at a couple of thoughts, the main schools of thought that will give an indication of when the millennium might start but we're not exactly sure but you know that that's okay because as we look through pm uh we find that uh you know there are other views of the millennium uh but this view pm we're looking at speaks of a world that's going to get better right that's how they through the gospel is the gospel yes yeah yeah okay so in any other thoughts um well you know the emphasis is that um the millennium after the millennium or the thousand years, uh, evangelism will restart where um, those who didn't accept and accept Christ mm. or the commission to go forward and evangelize the people again. That's their that's their view. Whereas it should be happened happened before that. So there is a misunderstanding about the. Uh, Post millennium, but we're talking about from their position, mm. and later on we're talking from the Adventist uh, position on this. So, yeah, we'll we'll continue on talking about this. Yeah, great. No, that's great, Ezerona, because we do find some biblical support uh, for PM post millennialism, and uh, we find in Psalm seventy two mm-hmm. of Christ's ruling, and it says in Psalm seventy two and verse eight, it speaks of. From the river to the ends of the earth, this rain that will happen uh, across the earth. And we can learn also that, the, that this produces, okay, the new heavens and the new earth because he, that is Christ, will reign till the moon is no more. And so that would mean, right, that this millennium would have to happen and then Christ will come because it says here in Psalm 72 verse 7 that he will reign until the moon is no more. So he's going to reign for this, this you know, period of a thousand years and then the moon will 
obviously be no more. But we also find, too, some other passages in Isaiah chapter 2. We see it speak of God's righteousness and peace that will come uh, in the last days. Uh, and that also during this time that many people, it says in Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, that many people, they'll be coming and they'll be streaming into God's kingdom where they will be taught God's ways. And then this will ultimately bring in worldwide peace in verse 4. It says, um, anything that Jesus says in the New Testament. Okay, in the New Testament, um, Jesus promoted and taught uh, his disciples, um, especially uh, Jesus talks about the kingdom, um, the kingdom of the parables. Mm. And there is a, um, a text in um, Matthew 13, verse 31 to um, 33, where we see the kingdom grows by incremental mm. or to, to world dominance. So they use uh, parables or uh, stories that Jesus mentioned in the New Testament to build um, their position or their theory about post or PM or post millennialism. Mm, okay, so that's interesting. You know, we find that. It's something that's spoken of in the, the Old Testament, in the Psalms, in Isaiah, the prophet, and also Jesus in the New Testament. He spoke about PM, post-millennialism. That brings us to, as I mentioned before, the question of, well, how do we know when the millennium is going to start? Mm-hmm. You know, according to this, this school of thought, according to this uh, theological position, how do we know when the millennium will start? And uh, there are two main schools of interpretation. The first being revivalist post-millennialism and the second reconstructionist post-millennialism. And if we break that down in, in simple language to those listening, the first one speaks about a revival and the second one speaks about a reconstruction. Basically, the revivalist position would say that uh, there's no real known period of time where the millennium will start, but there's going to be a gradual Christian revival. Followed by, as, as you mentioned earlier as a Rona, this widespread evangelism, which is going to be very successful. And after these efforts, the return of Christ will happen. But what about the reconstruction idea? Okay, the reconstruction idea is that um, the church increases its influence um, through successful evangelism and expansion, uh, finally establishing a theoretic, theocratic kingdom of a thousand years duration, mm. followed by the return of Christ. So it, it brings the idea there's a lot of revival going, mm. there's a lot of evangelism going. So therefore, when the second coming appears, and then it will, these people who are being evangelized will then be to the kingdom will be saved. Mm. So it's interesting, this, this thought of um, post-millennialism, it, it brings in other doctrines and other teachings, you know, to do with the gospel and uh, evangelism and also uh, the work of discipleship and growing in Christ as well. So it's a really, uh, we could say, an anchor doctrine for other ones. Mm-hmm. As well, there's a lot That's around right. it that, that hinges on it for PM to happen, uh, which is a really cool thought. You know, the history of it as a owner, as we look at the history, it was really common 
Mm-hmm. It was a predominant form uh, in the 19th and early 20th centuries of the United States of America. And it really rose to prominence through revival meetings and through evangelism uh, and also social activism as well. Mm-hmm. So which tells us this is not something new. Sure. Uh, it happens during uh, the Donatist Mm-hmm. in North Africa. So it just gradually kept alive from generation to generation and all of a sudden it's been picked up. Mm. Interesting. Now, this thousand years of, of, of peace and of prosperity kind of hit a bit of a halt because when we come to the 20th century, we come across two world wars. Now, that would really throw a spanner in the works if you're seeking to achieve world peace. Uh, this really had a big uh, and a severe uh, impact upon PM thinking because, you know, instead of trying to achieve this through scientific and educational progress, really it declined through war and world chaos. And so there was a real downturn in uh, acceptance of PM. Mm -hmm. That's interesting because then we have to think, well, when will this age begin? When will this millennium begin? Uh, Ezerona, as we, as we bring this you know, short uh, podcast to a close, who are the main proponents? Who are the main adherents of, uh, of PM? The main proponent for, for PM, um, they are uh, George Whitfield, mm. um, Charles Hodges, Hodge, or, and Jonathan Edwards, and B.B. Wolf. Or, Warfield. Yeah. In fact, there are more. There are more who was taking this uh, position on the PM side, and, mm. and these are the uh, supporters of this view. And um, yeah, there's there's more to to learn, and many people are picking up this uh, PM view. Mm. So you know, there's a relative point of peace that mm-hmm. we would see that maybe PM is starting to resurge again. I would say. Like we mentioned before, their view is evangelizing the world, Mm. you know, when Jesus comes. Mm. So I think that's where their emphasis is right now, is to um, allow uh, people to come to a point that they will be, they will have a second chance in in another way, that if you don't accept the first time, the second chance will help you to be mm. All right. Well, for those listening, we hope that's been uh, a, a short and, and powerful packed podcast on post-millennialism. We are back as Arona and I for the second part of this Millennial Fever podcast. And we are now going to contrast the PM post-millennial position with the Seventh-day Adventist position. Interesting, Ezerona. It is interesting. What is it? Where are we going today with this second part? We are looking at the position of where it starts, the millennium starts, Mm -hmm. and where it ends, Mm -hmm. and what takes place after the millennium. All right. So this is going to be exciting. Very good. So when we consider the millennium from the Seventh-day Adventist position, it's this period of a thousand years of reigning with Christ and his saints in heaven. And as you said, that the beginning is a resurrection and at the end is a resurrection. We're going to unpack this. We find basically that, you know, at the beginning of this millennium, something special happens. Yes, and at the is. end, something special happens. What, what, 
Let, let's look at, at some support for this as a runner. What comes to mind? Um, for me, what comes to mind is um, the first resurrection that the, um, the righteous did and the righteous who are, who are alive. So that, when Jesus comes during that period, that marks the millennium or the 1,000 years. And the, the righteous are taken to heaven. Mm. And then during this time, um, the wicked dead will be judged. Mm -hmm. uh, the earth will be utterly destroyed without living human inhabitants, but occupied by Satan and his angels. Wow. Mm. And at the close, Christ with his saints and the holy city will descend from heaven. And the righteous dead will be resurrected. That closes mm -hmm. the millennium. And then um, Satan and his angels will surround the new Jerusalem. And fire out of God from heaven will cleanse the earth. The universe will thus be freed from sin and sinners. Forever. Okay. So, again, there's a lot going on here. It's not just the millennium as kind of a vacuum, as it's kind of by itself. We see things like... You know, the end of sin, we right. end of sinners, we see, uh, you know, the, the, the second coming of Christ, we see, uh, you know, even things like hell and, and Satan, so evil. So there's a lot going on here of how this view of the millennium, according to the Seventh-day Adventist position, is linked with others right. uh, as, as well. And so I love it, as you said, that, you know, when, when Jesus comes again, we're not necessarily going to see him come like the, the, the more gentle, compassionate saviour when he came to earth. But in Revelation 19, there's this picture of Jesus riding out of heaven on a white horse with an army of angels behind him who are also riding on white horses. And their purpose is to come and it's to destroy all those who have rebelled against him. As you said, you know, the, the wicked. So then it, 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 you have to think of like, well, what's, what's the point of this? And, and what I love about this is that there's a, there's a major emphasis on dealing with sin. Mm -hmm. That's right. This position of the millennium really deals with sin uh, finally and forever, mm -hmm. really. Um, what, what, what happens to those who go to heaven with Jesus? Either the, the righteous dead who are raised or... The, uh, or those who, uh, you know, for, for are raised and go with Jesus. What, what happens to those who are then in heaven? What, what do they do? Okay. The righteous who are going to, who are going to heaven, on the other hand, um, the faithful followers uh, mm. of Jesus will go with him to heaven, of course. Thus, the wicked destroyed, the righteous taken from earth. Our planet, of course, or earth, will be Desolated or mm. utterly destroyed. So while while the um, the righteous are in heaven, they're not sitting idle. Mm. They have work to do up there. What's the work? Okay, the work <laughs> is um, judging Satan and his okay. evil angels. Yep, yep. So they'll not be like standing around. They got work to judge the wicked, to see whether God is faithful in dealing with sin. Mm. Right. So then the wicked say, "Oh Lord, we did it wrong. 
But when they look at the records of the wicked in heaven, they can see God all these all, all these years has been right. He recorded every detail of unrepented sin. So the righteous in heaven sit with God and look at all the records, the records of those who are dealing with involved with sin, mm. because God cannot um, coexist with sin. Mm. There's a couple of verses as their own that come to mind. Um, Revelation 20 and verse 4, it says that they, the saints, those who are in heaven, the righteous, they'll be given authority to judge. And, and this really links with what Paul says in the New Testament, where in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, he says, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Do you not know that we will judge angels? Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, there's almost this, this heavenly, this cosmic transparency that God is going to show everyone the decisions that were made. Yes, that's right. The decisions that people made. And uh, it's evident that this judgment, uh, it's for those who, as you said, rejected his love and their consequences. But in so doing, we're really looking at God and saying, well, is God fair? Is God just? Is he true? What... um, so we, we, we've spoken about these two resurrections, one that comes at the start of the millennium, which is when Jesus comes. Mm-hmm. And uh, two things happen at the end of the millennium. What are those two things okay. as a runner? The first thing is um, God's city, the new Jerusalem, will descend from heaven and will settle on our planets at Revelation, uh, found in Revelation 21, verse 1. And secondly, those who rejected Jesus will be brought to life or be resurrected. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's found in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 5. So every person who lived, whoever lived in, in, in all of the world, in the world's history, will be present at this time. So you have the righteous in the New, New Jerusalem, and you have the wicked outside, mm. waiting for the verdict from God. And uh, they will see... That God is righteous in doing what he, He's about to do. Mm-hmm. And in that very great moment, every human being will acknowledge the righteousness of God. Even the wicked, mm. they will acknowledge God. Romans, that's found in Romans 14 verse 11. Wow. It's, it's, it's amazing to think about this because... You know, there's a huge focus with this position on the millennium. There's a huge focus on God and his, his fairness, his justice. You know, the, the work of evangelizing and pre- preaching the gospel and sharing the gospel message, that happens all before Jesus comes. Exactly. That's right. And now this millennium, it, it, it doesn't really have a focus on human work or human uh, effort. Rather... Humans, the, the righteous who are in heaven are saying, well, is God who he claims to be? And, and, and I love that the millennium just, it, it kind of sets everything right. You know, in the minds of the, the saved and the righteous, they'll be able to say, well, no, actually, God is true in making these decisions as well. Yeah. Then, you know, there's, there's some more that happens at the end of the millennium. You know, you spoke earlier as a runner of how the new Jerusalem comes down. Then we see that uh, Satan, he, he's going to do something. He's going to do something with, with those that are wicked. They're going to try and storm and attack 
Jerusalem. He will gather all the troops. Okay. All the troops together and all the wicked and give them one more chance to go against God. Mm. To try and uh, capture the new Jerusalem. I think we need to remember there's also a central figure in here, which is Satan, mm -hmm. who is the originator of sin. And he's not giving up. He's going to lose, but yet not giving up at all. Mm. Then, as you said, there's going to be this consuming fire. And, you know, Satan, he's spent all of his time deceiving and deceiving. And he'll deceive even when it's just... It's beyond any, you know, any hope. And so he's, then this consuming fire comes and it's going to descend upon the earth and it's going to utterly destroy those who are outside the city of God. I will say, let's not be in here, in this group. Sure. Let's be in the first group. Okay, yeah. Let's be in those who, are, who died in Christ or those who are alive. Mm. I think that's, that's the best group, the one that went to heaven with Jesus that's the best group to be in. Not in this group. Mm. Know what's about to happen. Yeah. But the good news is this, as a Rona, is, huh? is that with this position on the millennium, sin and evil, pain, everything else associated to that, Satan and, and, and evil and wicked sinners who just have never wanted anything to do with God mm -hmm. will be destroyed. Like the universe, for once and for all, is going to be rescued and saved from sin mm -hmm. by this time it's quite too late to acknowledge but the bible says every knee shall bow every tongue shall confess that mm -hmm. jesus christ is lord finally they come to a realization that they've been wrong all this time but it's quite late mm. yeah wow so look we hope for those listening that this position this view on the millennium has stimulated your thinking uh, we hope you've enjoyed these two podcasts.